our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical, biblical. <laughs> Do you know I'm seeing our little tagline? It's because we're reading a book. Oh, I see. Called Song of Songs. Mm-hmm. But before we get into Song of Songs, <laughs> I want to tell everyone, new listeners, old listeners alike. Mm-hmm. I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Christian. Uh, I was raised Presbyterian, specifically. I taught Sunday school for for years. I was in the worship band. Um, whole nine yards. And I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible. And I am the non-believing sort of Jew. And I'm reading the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Also, also, this is not a Bible study podcast. And it is not appropriate for children. And... Uh, just kind of put a blanket trigger warning on all this stuff because there's a lot of uh, sexual assault in the Bible. <laughs> not fun in, fact. Yeah, not in this book. Not but... so fun fact. Mm. This has been not so fun facts. <laughs> not safe for work. Not so fun facts. NSFW. NSFF. Beautiful acronym. So intuitive. Are we ready for some fast facts about Song of Songs? Yeah, I guess. You don't seem very enthusiastic. Well, I have to do, I have to, I don't have to do anything for Fast Facts, right? No. <laughs> I've done all this work beforehand. I know some Fast Facts too, though. Okay. I'll surprise you. Okay. Uh, so I'll just, uh, I'll just give the name in Hebrew, which is Shir Hashirim, which very literally means Song of Songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually literally means Song the Songs, <laughs> but that's how you construct it in Hebrew. <laughs> Song the songs. Yep. <laughs> they call me Song the Songs. And it's attributed to Solomon and often called Song of Solomon. Um, that isn't literally true, but as our guest Mallory Ortberg explained last week, that might not be meant to be taken literally. Mm. Also, it's mostly from the point of view of a woman. True. So. True. Um, I was told in the intro to this book in my Bible that the author is unknown. Yes. and And like... People aren't really sure when it's from. Mm-hmm. And it. I guess the prevalent theory is that it was kind of like added to and edited over several hundred years. Hmm. So it's kind of mysterious. <laughs> How mysterious would you say? On a scale of one to eight mysteries. I mean. Where eight mysteries is like, you know, the fucking dawn of time. And one <laughs> mystery is like 
the mystery house in Santa Cruz. The mystery spot? Yeah, that one. Maybe we went there together. I didn't propose to you there or anything. It's, it's, it's a tourist trap. Um, the ring was in my pocket, though. Uh, no, it wasn't. And I haven't seen it since that day. <laughs> that tour guide cracking all those cheesy jokes must have stolen it. Uh, anyway, back to Song of Songs. It's, uh, oh, it's uh, vaguely mysterious. I don't know. Three mysteries. <laughs> Two. Whatever. Nobody cares. Uh, it's poetry mm-hmm. about sexual slash romantic love. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't call it explicit because it's mainly poetic euphemisms. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely unquestionably about sex. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that its inclusion in the biblical canon has been controversial at different times in history. Yeah, I could dig that. Has three different speakers. Okay. Um, so the, yeah, there's the beloved who's a woman and she's the main character. There's the lover who is a man and is her lover. Mm-hmm. And then there's the friends. Which, it's the women of Jerusalem. Yeah. It's like the choir. Yeah. But their identity kind of seems to shift. Like at first it seems like they're her, like, I mean, it calls them daughters of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're like kind of her girlfriends. Um, but at the end, it kind of seems like they're her brothers. But whatever, we'll get into that. Okay. You're confusing me. Um, you won't like me when I'm confused. <laughs> I have read several parts of this book before. Oh, wow. But Congratulations. At the time, my analysis was like, it says breasts in the Bible. Oh, my God. That's that's so funny. So I I came into it uh, from a more mature perspective, kind of, hopefully. Um, and so I, I was expecting poetry that celebrated sexual love, mm-hmm. which it is that. Okay. But I think it's also a lot deeper and more interesting than that because – like, it's not really thought to have a plot line, mm-hmm. but I think it actually does have a plot line, which is basically that there's a young woman who's having premarital sex with an older guy, mm-hmm. and uh, her family is not happy about it. Mm-hmm. I did, like, a little bit of preliminary research, okay. you know? I didn't, like, really get into it. I didn't, like, read any books or anything. But Just one book. The only one that counts. The, yeah, the, the good book. It seems like... That's not a common interpretation of it. I don't, I mean, I didn't but, read anything about that. And I but just, I feel like surely someone, like, I'm going to advance a new theory about the Song of Songs, okay. but I'm sure like somebody has already thought of this, but I didn't find it after, you know, 10 minutes of Googling. So hmm. 10 minutes of Googling. That's the name of your memoir, right? <laughs> it's the name of my sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> That's very thematically appropriate. It is. Uh, shall we dive in? Yes. So chapter one, we start out with a very bold declaration of love from Mm -hmm. the beloved, a.k.a. the woman. Uh, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. But just a few lines later, Mm -hmm. she says, no wonder the maidens love you. This guy has a reputation. Mm -hmm. Among the maidens. Among the maidens. She's not the first maiden that he's come across. (laughs) Then she says that her skin is really dark. Mm -hmm. 
because she's been out in the sun all day, every day, because her brothers are mad at her and made her work in the vineyard. That's right. And like, I think they're mad at her because she's seeing this guy. It's and, not clear why her brothers are mad at her. And yeah, well, like so she keeps the brothers vineyards, but she also says my own vineyard I have not kept. Yeah. I think that's supposed to be sexy, but I don't know how. I know that's that describes a lot of this book. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be sexy, but I don't know how. Um, side note, this is actually sort of um, a controversial section of the book. Okay. Chapter one, verse five. What What does your Bible say? It says, I am black and beautiful. Oh, daughters. I am black and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in, in most translations, like mine says... Dark am I, yet lovely. I see. So it's but rather than and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so if you look at the original Hebrew, it's a, it's shechora ani v'nava, which is and. Mm. If it were but, it would be shechora so later avalnava. People later came and laid all their own racist shit on top of Apparently, it? Apparently. Well, that's but, not surprising. I mean, like the rest of the verse does say like, don't stare at me because I'm like so tan. Mm-hmm. So it does seem like like lighter skin is like the beauty standard. Mm-hmm. But then it also says, why should I be like a veiled woman? Which I take to mean, you know, why should I hide my body? Mm-hmm. Both in the sense that she's not ashamed that the world knows she's having sex with this guy. But also in the sense that like. I'm just a I'm just a woman. This is who I am. Yeah. And I hear me roar, etc. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm beautiful. This is my skin color or whatever. The lover, mm-hmm. the male voice, he mainly comes in to tell the woman how beautiful she is. Um, so here in chapter one, verse nine, we get his first words. He says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. Just like... Standard kind of love poetry stuff. Absolutely. So the man, he likes to describe the qualities of the lady. Yes. In extravagant terms. Yes. Specifically her visual qualities. <laughs> That's true. I don't think he spends much time on her personality. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you are a very hard worker. Got a good brain in your head. No, there's none no, of that. No. It's all about rings and necklaces and what kind of horse she looks like. Yeah. Which I guess is a compliment back then. <laughs> hey, I mean, have you ever seen one of Pharaoh's horses? I mean, I'm sure they're magnificent. Magnifique. Uh Chapter two, I, we get... Uh, oh, before we go to chapter two. Oh, I, yeah. We lef- left out probably my favorite line, <gasps> which is, while the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. <laughs> I think mine translated nard differently. I think it translated it as myrrh. Yeah, I can't see why that anyone would do that. But <laughs> <laughs> There is a lot of nard mentioned in here. I'm adult. <laughs> this is the adult section of the Bible. <laughs> That's why I talk about nard. <laughs> um, so chapter two, um, I like this verse. Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Mm-hmm. A, I really like the expression faint with love. Mm-hmm. Because, like, remember when you're young and, like, you're obsessed with your crush and it's, like, physically exhausting, you know? Yeah. Like, you just think about them all the time. Mm-hmm. And you become physically incapable of doing anything once they're around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a great fucking evolutionary feature. Like you act like a total idiot around the person that you want to mate with. But you're probably giving off all like kind of secret signal stuff. You know, you're probably flooding the air with dangerous pheromones. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, I also liked that my Bible's academic notes helpfully explained that raisins and apples are, quote, (laughs) fruits. Probably metaphors for love's caresses and embraces. <laughs> Why are they taking the literal things figuratively? Uh, <laughs> and all the figurative things literally. Um, and then the next verse is his left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. It's mm-hmm. so not the first time that'll happen. Yes. And there was only one situation where that ever happens. And it is in bed after sex. So... I mean, right away we've got, it's not just like romantic love. It's like they've had sex. Mm -hmm. They could be dancing the tango. The tango is not sex. Just so you know. Anyway, (laughs) chapter three. When I found the one my heart loves, I held him and would not let go till I brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. So the beloved, the woman, she is all in. She's like found the one. She wants to introduce him to her mom. She wants to get married. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the lover precisely reciprocates those feelings. It's not 100% clear. I mean, so actions speak louder than words. Yeah. And in the plot of this poem, he's notably absent. Yeah. Except whenever he shows up, he's full of flowery words about yes. how she's so lovely. Yes. Um, Although, okay. She's high above me. <laughs> like Leonardo or that guy who... No, that's a different song. That's a different song. Fuck. The songs came out at the same time. <laughs> They're one in my head. Uh, but okay. what I was saying is he's absent. Yeah. And at first, when I first read this passage, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? What is this about? Suddenly things are happening? I don't understand. Yeah. She's going out. She's going to try to find him. Well, we're not quite there yet. I sought him but found him not. Oh, okay, okay. Is that not? No, you're right. Is that not the second line? You're right. I'm sorry. It's okay. I called him but he gave no answer? Yeah. Fucking asshole. So then chapter four. Pick up your phone. Chapter four, he shows back up. He trying to ghost her. Dude, that's exactly what I have in my notes. Like, we're going to get into it. Okay. Chapter four, he shows up and like to tell her how hot she is. <laughs> but I feel like this particular passage is kind of like, like if someone said this to me, I'd be like, uh, thanks, I guess. <laughs> are you talking about, for example, your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes yes. that have come up from the washing, all of which bear twins and not one among them is bereaved. Yeah. Like, um, like wait, I so mean, you're saying my teeth have twins i guess that's good like and none of the kids died they're they're healthy they're white they're just shorn so they're not fluffy i mean fluffy teeth would be bad probably (laughs) i don't want to think about what would cause a fluffy teeth (laughs) but if you find any pictures on the internet send them to me don't send them to anyone (laughs) but you would think if your teeth had twins you'd be in trouble like, there's only so much room for you teeth said, in like, your mouth. a million teeth. If you suddenly had three times as many teeth as you thought you but would. But maybe you could, like, store them behind, like a shark. 
Well, yeah, we're not fucking coneheads, okay? We don't have rows and rows of teeth. <laughs> Wait. Coneheads? Yeah. Cone Do coneheads have rows of teeth? And- uh, yeah. Have you ever <laughs> seen the classic film Coneheads? I'm afraid I have not. Uh, I also like your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Yeah. Like that does. I mean, like well, I can that's see gravity. that it's- Gravity makes things go down. Okay. Like everybody's hair will fall down. I don't really want my hair to remind people of goats, <laughs> but- it's kind of a nice image, I guess. How would you feel about your, the comparison between your shoulders and Gilead? It's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your your temples behind your veil are like halves of a pomegranate. Now, like pomegranates are great. They're very tasty. <laughs> but like a pomegranate is a bunch of red dots, which isn't like... Not good for the skin. Yeah. Like, yeah. are you saying I have acne? Are you saying I have some sort of eczema situation going on like the eczema situation starring john claude van damme <laughs> your <laughs> your breasts are like two fawns how I how mean, are my breasts like two fawns my breasts don't have like four legs <laughs> they don't wander about they yeah. don't nibble at the grass yeah i mean like it's like fawns are cute but it's a little weird they also don't act independently, ideally. Your breasts, that is. Oh, I was like, well, the fawns should learn how to act independently. That's part of growing up. I agree. Somebody should be out there teaching these fawns. <laughs> um, and the beloved responds, let my lover come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. And then the lover responds to that with, I have come into my garden. I have eaten my honeycomb. I have drunk my wine and my milk. Mm-hmm. Things are getting very steamy. Mm -hmm. And then here the friends say, by the way, the friends have been piping up every now and then this whole time. Mm -hmm. Eat, oh, friends, and drink. Drink your fill, oh, lovers. So here they do seem to be like supportive girlfriends. Like they're happy that the girl's getting some. Back in chapter four, though, I'd like to point out a a nice line and a a nice bit of... uh... A moment when the NRSV even gets a little embarrassed about this. Okay. For example, the line is, your channel is an orchard of pomegranates. Ooh. And then it has a little note about it and it says, meaning of heb uncertain. Mm. Uh, you sure about that, mm. bruh? I mean, I guess like maybe in academic terms, the meaning of the Hebrew is uncertain. But in what sense is the meaning of that uncertain? It's pretty certain. Uh, <laughs> I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? My lover thrust his hand through the latch opening. Wow. Girl, please keep it PG-13. This is literally the actual Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Did no one tell them this was going to be in the Bible? And then the lover ghosts her. Okay. Like, Mm -hmm. we're we're back to, like, ghosting. This is, like, the worst ghosting ever. Because, okay, she says. Besides Casper, of course. Of course. Uh, I opened, I opened for my lover. But my lover had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him but did not find him. I called him but he did not answer. And then she says she actually went out looking for him in the streets. And the city watchmen Mm -hmm. beat her. They did. Bruised her. And stole her cloak. Which seems like, I don't know, maybe they think she's a sex worker. Or maybe they're just punishing her for being an unmarried woman. Wandering around. Yeah, like... In a state of excitement. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. State of poetic excitement, nonetheless. But she is not deterred. She tells her friends, oh, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my lover, tell him I am faint with love. Mm -hmm. This is like the plot of uh, Tangerine. Yeah, totally. She's very, it's like she's obsessed. And the friends respond by asking why he's so special. Mm -hmm. Which my Bible says, like the notes say, it's like an opportunity for her to describe him. But I kind of read it as sarcastic. Mm -hmm. Like they say, how is your beloved better than others that you charge us so? Like why is this guy worth getting beat up by the police? Yeah. And her description of how hot he is is even weirder than like the stuff with the goats. Because it's... (laughs) I'm just going to read my my favorite passage. Uh, His arms are rods of gold set with chrysolite. His body is like polished ivory decorated with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. So he's some sort of extremely decadent, like, jewel robot. (laughs) He's some sort of golem, yeah. Yeah, some sort of very expensive golem. Of course, the golems did protect the Jews of Prague, so we shouldn't badmouth them. But sexy? Question mark. Big question mark. His appearance is like Lebanon. Choice is the cedars. <laughs> what does it mean? This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. And the friends again, mm-hmm. as we move into chapter six, I feel like they might be a little sarcastic again. Where has your lover gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your lover turn that we may look for him with you? Mm-hmm. Like... Okay, great. He's hot. He's a yeah. weird jewel automaton, but, <laughs> but like, where where, but where he is go? he? Yeah, <laughs> what where what is he doing? And she kind of seems to be making excuses for him. She's like, oh, he's just in the garden. Like it's it's fine. It's like my boyfriend lives in Canada. He's just like checking he, out the garden. No, you wouldn't understand because he pastures his flock among the lilies. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean, by the way? I don't know. I think she's saying, like, like we can't even know what he's up to because he's, like, too good for this world. Like nobody And they're would... like, yeah, we know what he's up to. <laughs> like, like you already said, no wonder the maidens love you. Like, we mm-hmm. know what he's up to. His fucking legs are made of alabaster and gold. Yeah. So. His arms are rods of gold set with chrysolite. Actually, so. Now that I'm thinking about it, if his legs are made of alabaster and gold, he wouldn't be getting too far away. You don't know what, what spirit animates him. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I mean, I assume it's the spirit of lust. Well, that seems clear. He he pops up right here in chapter six and says he uh, just, quote, went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth of the valley. What do you suppose the new growth of the valley is? Best thing about nut trees, man. Yeah. <laughs> every year they get younger and every year I stay the same exactly. age. Exactly. Wait, no, reverse that. <laughs> Also, wrong that. Also. <laughs> Fix that. Fix that and reverse it. We've become unmoored from time. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, they both get younger and older, and I continue to not age forwards. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. In chapter seven, he uh, comes up with some new questionable ways to tell her that she's hot so questionable her navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine what the fuck are you talking about man your waist 
is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. And my personal favorite, your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. Now he's just negging her. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, your head crowns you like Carmel, and your flowing locks are like purple. A king is held captive in the tresses. That's a reference I don't understand. I assume, it, I assume that was the witty, that was the punchline to all of that stuff about. But the fucking navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. What, what are mean? you talking about? She has about? like the most any belly button ever. And who put wine in her belly button? <laughs> he did. Did you put wine in her belly button? He fucking did. Anyway, chapter eight. The last chapter. We're already at the last chapter. God, it's flown by. It's been a real journey. Um, the beloved says, if only you were to me like a brother nursed at my mother's breasts, then if I found you outside, I would kiss you and no one would despise me. So I take this to mean like her family doesn't want her going out with this mm-hmm. guy. So she can't just like kiss him in public. Mm-hmm. But she fantasizes that, like, if he were her brother, then she could. I assume stepbrother. Uh, yeah. Whatever adjustments you need to make. But, like, if if the forces of family brought them together, you know, if 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 some socially acceptable force right. put them in the same place and, and let that relationship happen. And then uh, she says, under the apple tree, I roused you. Mm-hmm. There your mother conceived you. There she who was in labor gave birth to you. I think this obsession is going kind of lemonade style here. Like, you're mine. You're not going to be out checking the new growth in other gardens. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in the garden with me, and we're going to fuck where you were born. <laughs> like, this is, you're not going anywhere. I'm your mom now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the next verse also has shades of lemonade. Uh, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire. Many waters cannot quench it. That's good. I mean, this is... this. Her is... teeth as confetti. Her sternum, my bedazzled cane. This is good stuff. I like this. But she's definitely gone off the fucking deep end. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She's like Beyonce lemonade style. The um, next verse confuses the shit out of me. Okay. What does it mean? Here, listeners, check this out. Please. We have a little sister and she has no... This is the friend speaking, we should specify. This is the friend speaking? Uh-huh. Oh, maybe that was what I was missing all along. Ah. Uh. We have a little sister and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister on the day she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build upon her a battlement of silver. But if she is a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. Yeah. So, I mean, mine mine has, we have a young sister and her breasts are not yet grown. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why I think, like, earlier it seemed like the friends were like her girlfriends. Uh-huh. Like, oh, daughters of Jerusalem. But here it seems like these same brothers that made her work in the vineyards to keep her away from the sky. Because they're saying, like, she's young. Mm-hmm. She's not fully developed. We want her to be a wall, keeping men out. Mm-hmm. And we don't want her to be a door, mm-hmm. or we're going to have to close her up. Because, like, 
don't like the sound of that. We want her to be able to get married uh-huh. and not get beaten and robbed by city watchmen in our misogynistic society. <laughs> it's like, don't come over here telling her she has a tower nose trying to open up her door. We're mm-hmm. going to fucking block it in with. Trying to get in her channel. With panels of cedar. Trying to maintain her vineyard or whatever. And then she responds, I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. But I will note that earlier he compared her breasts to fawns, which are not full grown. That's a good point. That's a good point. And a creepy one. Yeah. And a creepy one. Yeah. She says, I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. My own vineyard is mine to give. Basically, I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. I can do what I want with my body. I can have sex. (laughs) Whatever. Screw y'all. Mm-hmm. And then it just ends with, I don't know, the, the ending is inconclusive. So I have like this whole narrative that I'm reading into it about this really young girl and she's like in love with this, you know, kind of older guy who's who's like a, a bit of a cad. She fell in rogue. love with a boy. Yeah. yeah. But like there's no real like conclusion to that. No. It's just, you know, the, the last bit of the book is the beloved saying come away my lover and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice laden mountains yeah i uh, i don't know i don't know so there are many ways that we could read this text we chose one both of us i mean we chose the like a literal reading of it mm-hmm. but we could definitely read it in a in a more allegorical way which i think has a lot to do with its its history and would you care to elaborate i would but we might want to take a break <gasps> okay Let's do it. Let's do a classic cliffhanger. Classic cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about the religious implications of this sex poetry. Of this Excellent. Filth. <laughs> and then we're going to have a special interview and there's going to be a bunch more stuff. So come on back. Uh, you're going to hear some music and then we'll be right back. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Nico. I'm Lauren. And we are talking about the book of Song of Songs or Songs of Solomon. Do you want to uh, sing a little song? Do I want to sing a song? Yeah. Uh, Sure. Um, Would you care to join me in a a rousing rendition of Sunday School Dropouts? You don't know. You don't know that, do you? You don't know the Grease soundtrack. No, I don't know. Sunday School Dropouts. Sunday School Dropouts. I could do a load up on guns. <laughs> that sounded like the Richard Cheese version of that Nirvana song. Anyway. We can call him Mr. Cheese in this house. I will never address that man as Mr. Uh, anyway, so, so Song of Songs. Mm-hmm. Erotic ancient poetry. And we spent the most of the first half discussing it in person terms. Person terms. In. That's a thing that everyone knows about we used people words to describe it Mm. one might say but 
the reason, like one of the reasons this has to be in the canon and has been in the Bible for so long is that people attached an allegorical reading to it. Yes. That this was about uh, a worshiper and God. Yes. And this is, that comes from both Jewish and Christian mm-hmm. traditions. Um, like I thought that would be primarily a Christian thing mm-hmm. um, because I grew up uh I was the lead singer in my youth group's worship band. Which, of course, was called The Whole Nine Yards. We sang a lot of Christian rock songs, and Christian rock songs very much take the conventions of rock songs where you're talking to, you know, a lover, mm-hmm. and but they just make it about God. So I assume this would be a Christian thing only, but it's apparently a Jewish thing too. I do want to point out that there's actually a popular church song you learn it as a kid in christian camp okay um i don't want you speaking for me but with like with hand motions and everything like it's a camp song Mm -hmm. that's actually taken from chapter two of song of songs which i did not realize until really yeah it's um like i am my beloved's and he is mine and his banner over us is love my my beloved and he is mine and his banner over us is love and then like the second verse is he brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over us is love. And oh, yeah, I get it. Although we did do we did do a cover that was like um, less camp songy in the worship band, which okay. was like he brought me to his banqueting table. He brought me to his banqueting table. Is there another part that you're not singing? Yeah. Oh, the, it's a call and response. And his <laughs> banner. You shitter. What are you doing? Over me. <laughs> is love. I was sitting here waiting for you to fucking finish Sweet your song. love. <laughs> anyway. Really excited to share that beautiful uh, music with you and the listeners. Um, But, okay, I think that it's weird to do that. I think it's weird to cast this as an allegory between, like, for love between God and the church or God and an individual. Give me a reason why. Well, I think it's weird enough to, like, think of your relationship to God as, like, I love you so much that I want to have sex with you. Mm Mm-hmm. But what's even weirder is to think of God's feelings towards you as like, oh, your breasts are like fawns. Who and so you? I have drunk my wine and my milk. Are you the beloved? If you're the worshiper, yeah, you're the beloved. Yeah. So you're worshiping a, a distant man. Yeah. Who seems to only have a who like just shows up to fuck level. you? Yeah, like a surface level appreciation of of what makes you unique and beautiful yeah and just tells you you're hot and mm-hmm. then he goes away and checks out you know other gardens for a while and then he's like oh but baby your nose is like a tower give me my honeycomb okay well so in that sense the allegory doesn't seem to work what about in the sense that the beloved feels like a, a consuming love you know that by the end of the of end of this book it's like she seems a little crazy yeah is that is that what a what a worshiper is supposed to feel? I mean, like, kind of, and, but you're not supposed to feel like 
unsatisfied, I don't think. You're mm. not supposed to feel like your love is unrequited. Well, she doesn't feel that way. No. She's very optimistic and positive about her chances. She is, yeah. And maybe I'm just reading onto it, like... Reading onto it. Reading into it. Reading over it. Reading betwixt it. That, like, the guy is kind of, like, ghosting on her. But, like, I mean, I guess you could try and say that, oh, like, I searched for him and he wasn't there is, like, an allegory for, like, searching for God. But, like, God is always supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, you're supposed to be your fault if you can't find him. Well, I mean, I I don't know about that. I mean, in terms of the, the limited theology that I've been exposed to so far, certainly you're supposed to act as act as if he's there and that that he's watching even when he gives no indication that he is right but like and it, he also came down to job and told him that it wasn't his obligation to like prove to anybody that he existed yeah man i don't know i you're just not, think you're not sold on the allegory i just think it's trying to like retroactively i think they're trying to retcon like god into this and I, I don't think it's about God. And I don't think it's like, I don't think it fits with any other part of the Bible to like treat God as a sexual lover who enjoys your breasts. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So far, I'm going to have to agree with you. <laughs> you know? I'm holding out hope for some of, that, some of that. I mean, there is some stuff in the New Testament about like, the church is the bride of Christ. Uh-huh. But. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> but I don't think that's like happened yet. And I don't know. I think it's just erotic poetry. I think it's like just from a kind of different tradition and it somehow got stuck in here. I mean, I don't know, but I was hoping that you would be able to fucking fix this for me. <laughs> nope. But. Because we're a little confused. Yes. It might be time to get some outside help. Yes. I'm not sure if it'll help us, but at the very least, it'll be interesting and entertaining. The trifecta. Interesting and entertaining. So we wanted to... uh, And is the third part of the trifecta? (laughs) Yep. Interesting and entertaining. So we wanted to learn more about how Christian culture deals with the Book of Song of Songs. Mm -hmm. So uh, we decided to call up anthropologist, organizer, language teacher, and founder of the No Shame Movement, Lola Prescott. Lola, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Thanks. Um, So we'll start by asking you what we ask all our guests, which Mm -hmm. is, uh, what is your religious background? Uh, Well, I grew up um, in the church most of my life. uh, I would say overall um, evangelical background. Um, I went to uh, Southern Baptist School. I uh, went to Pentecostal Church for a while. Um, I went to a progressive-ish uh, Christian university. I identify as a Christian now, but um, very, very different. Um, probably a 180 from how I grew up. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, so you founded this thing on the internet called the No Shame Movement. Can you tell us a little bit more about it, like what it is, uh, how it got started, all that stuff? Yes. Um, so it started as a hashtag, and um, it was kind of in- in- inspired by um, Janet Mock, um, the transgender woman um, 
black woman um, who had a tag called Girls Like Us, and it was kind of it served as a kind of a platform for trans women, particularly trans women of color, to share their stories. And so um, I had been talking with a couple other folks um, about how there didn't seem to be a platform um, for what I call, I guess, the rest of us. Um, most of the people talking about purity culture were um, white, um, straight, cisgender women. Um, and many that, many that were um, saying a lot of, you know, one, you know great things. Um, but, you know, for those of us who are people of color or for people um, maybe who weren't middle class or people who are LGBT or, you know, anyone outside the spectrum, you know, had kind of different experiences when it came to sexuality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the um, first. And the second one uh, had to do with um, the way it was framed in some of, in, you know, some of the writings. Uh, there were some folks that were, you know, that were encouraging sexual autonomy, but um, the ones that got the most attention, I guess I should say, um, were really framing it in sort of a, you know, purity culture is bad, but you should still wait. And again, I thought, well, what about the rest of us? Uh, the tag kind of started from there, um, and then it turned into a Twitter page, um, and then uh, turned into a Tumblr page where people could um, submit their stories um, anonymously um, to the donate domain name, and it kind of took off from there. Basically, it's a platform um, where there's a lot of curated information um, about sexuality, um, about unlearning uh, purity culture. Um, there's resources. Uh, one of the biggest things, um, issues that came out of the conversation was the need for sex ed. Um, and I include myself in that. A ton of mm -hmm. uh, followers had never had a proper sex ed or at the most um, received, were misinformed, um, or were given incomplete information. Right. So, um, you know, I post a lot of infographics about, you know, the vagina and <laughs> the penis, um, you know, just very, very basic, <laughs> uh, basic things, you know, for people that had really been taught to be ashamed of their bodies and really just weren't educated about how they worked. Um, women who, for the longest time, have in, you know, internalized the shame about sex um, and have found that that shame doesn't go away once they get married and all of a, su all of a sudden they can have sex that's sanctioned <laughs> or you know, allowed. Yeah, dude, I still cannot, I still can't watch people kiss on TV. I'm still like, oh, this is not allowed. Like, I'm not supposed to be watching this. Now, did this. your parents fast forward through sex scenes? Because mine did. Yeah. I had to leave the room. <laughs> yeah. I still, I think there's a couple of times where I see graphic sex scenes where I'm like, am I old enough to watch this? And <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is inappropriate. I need to cover my eyes. And that's like, I didn't even go through that, like, that bad of purity mm -hmm. culture, you know? Like, I mean... My church was not super conservative, and I grew up in, mm. like, a suburb of Berkeley, so the surrounding mm -hmm. culture was very liberal about sex. But, like, 
still it stays with you like so strongly. I think particularly I saw that and, you know, overlapping with that, a lot of folks who've left um, religion and I'd say maybe half, at least half, maybe more um, of the people who um, follow the site um, have left religion just in terms of the stories I've heard. And it never really occurred to me that even if you, you know, if you become an atheist or become agnostic or just, um, you know, leave church, that stuff still stays with you um, for a lot of people for most of their lives. Um, yeah. And so that, yeah, that kind of became um, sort of a central thing. Like this is, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of people would write in and say, you know, at my age, I'm still shamed. I still shamed about X, Y, Z, even though. I know that's ludicrous. Um, so those were kind of the, I guess, the major themes that came up. I, I mean, I mean, I guess in terms of, you know, I mean, there are, there were hundreds, <laughs> but I think probably the ones that were the most common were those. Have you heard from people who feel that um, the No Shame movement and sort of similar conversations that are happening online have helped them leave some of that shame behind? Yes, um, and that's been that's the thing that's been most um, you know so amazing. Like I said, I mean, this is something I kind of I do on my spare time. You know, um, I have a you know a full time day job, and uh, I think and it's and it's funny. It's the weirdest times. There are times where I'll just you know I'll have I feel like I've neglected the site or I haven't posted as much, and I'll get a message on Tumblr. It's always timed well. I'll get a message saying I'm so glad this site exists. Mm-hmm. Um, because for the first time I'm having these conversations and starting to unlearn this. It's, I, that, that I'm always floored every time uh-huh. I see those messages. Um, a lot of, for a lot of people, I think the doubt was already there. Um, I know it certainly was for me, even when I think back to when I was like 12 or 13 and I'd hear things and I'm like, mm, that doesn't sound right, but they're the adults, so I guess they know better. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of, there were a lot of messages from particularly 17 and 18 year old, well, when they identified their age, 17 or 18 year old girls, Mm -hmm. um, this is what always got me, who would say, I, um, you know, I've been with my boyfriend for a year, um, should, I feel like I should be having sex with him, because, like, boys need that, right? Hmm. Whew! (laughs) And, And I'd say, well are you ready to have sex? Um, and if the answer is no, then no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So um, we are talking about the book of Song of Songs today, or Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts as someone who's like thought a lot about purity culture, uh, about how Christian purity culture deals with the fact that there is basically erotic poetry mm-hmm. in the Bible and it might very well be about premarital sex. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the key. I remember talking, I think talking to my mom about it. Um, it was never brought up um, in Sunday school or children's church. Um, a lot of, if you went to a Pentecostal church, often there was like children's church simultaneously with the Sunday service. Um, and it was rarely brought up, but when it was, um, it was always framed to me as they were married. Mm. Um, I was like, well, they're married. Um, that's a husband and a wife giving, you know, writing each other love letters or whatever. That's how right. it was framed to me. 
and I thought, okay, but that's still really kind of dirty, but okay. Again, you know, like, <laughs> well, they're the adults. I guess they know better. <laughs> now you, um, a couple years back, tweeted the sexiest bits from Song of Songs. <laughs> How did that go? That was so much fun. It was funny because I hadn't read it um, in a long time um, and had forgotten because um, someone was like, man, like this would have gotten like at least a TV 14, mm-hmm. like if it was in a TV <laughs> Yeah, show. for sure. <laughs> um, the conversation was the best. Um, I heard a lot of other folks then share their stories about when they would bring up Song of Solomon um, in uh, Sunday school. Um, so the number of folks that said the teacher would just flat out shut them down mm. was kind of, was really fascinating. Not surprising, but mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like, yeah, we're not, we're going to talk about that. Cause like it's in there. It's in um, the Bible. Yep. It has been for <laughs> yeah. a couple thousand years. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, if you think about, um, the, there's a large, uh, amount of disturbing stuff that's in the old Testament. I remember reading, um, uh, about, um, you know, like with the side with Sodom and Gomorrah before it was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Lot was a terrible father. <laughs> <laughs> totally. and, um, and we were supposed to like um, admire this guy, right? And that part, yeah. like, we talk about that in Sunday school all the time. Like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I just I agree with you because it sounds right. <laughs> I mean, like, you, Nico, Nico was raised without any religion, but like, you've heard the story of yeah, Lot for sure. And his wife turns into a pillar of salt. Like, it's mm-hmm. a very widespread story, even though it involves mm-hmm. very disturbing content. But then, like, Song of Songs, yeah. which is like nice poetry about breasts Mm -hmm. that's like no 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 we're not gonna talk about this (laughs) i remember i think when i was younger um those were my favorite like they're talking because you know when you're a kid you're like boobs haha and i remember those were like i'm reading about boobs haha (laughs) that's exactly how i reacted (laughs) well lola thank you so much for coming on the show sure this was fun and where can people where can people find your writing lola if they want to online that is uh, well, for now, um, on noshamemovement.com, um, you can, if you're on Tumblr, you can follow it. Um, uh, no Shame Movement is also on Twitter, um, No Shame Move, um, M-O-V, no E, um, is the handle. Um, we're also on Pinterest, um, and my favorite place, because that's where, um, there's a lot of unpacking of um, purity culture and modesty culture memes because um, there's been a lot of slew. There's been a slew of memes, um, some of and some of which um, involve Song of Songs. I I, I might add. Um, so yeah, it's just basically kind of unpacking them and um, showing uh, how they're problematic. And where else? Instagram is the other one. And then you're on Twitter at. Oh, yeah. And I'm on Twitter um, at C. Lola Go. C. Lola Go. Thanks again for coming on the show. And uh, I'll see you on Twitter. All right. Great. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks, Thanks. Lola. Bye. Bye. Big thank you to Lola for joining us on that call and for helping us work out more about what to think about this dig dag book of the <laughs> Thank you, Lola. And I think it's only natural that with that new information, with uh-huh. that new perspective, uh-huh. we move directly on to rating this book. Uh, okay. Uh, how would you rate this book? I will give this book 
two out of seven unkept orchards. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That is an extremely low score. It's quite low. Please elaborate. First of all, I want to say right off the bat, the poetry is quite nice. Okay. And I like the overall style of it. That is to say, I I think the idea about uh, a book of, of poetry about a young woman who's like breaking societal conventions to to get what she wants to try to go after this older man or this man or whatever. Yeah. To, I like know, that. Smash this guy in a garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good concept for a a short book of poetry like this. The thing I am rating it off for is I don't understand what the fuck it has to do with the Bible. <laughs> I didn't get any of classic Bible stuff. There were no stories. There were barely any connections to the rest of the Bible. It didn't have anything overtly to do with spirituality or faith or anything like that. I just sort of at a loss here, you know, like, what am I supposed to do with that? I enjoyed it, but like, in terms of, I I can't like, honestly compare it to Ecclesiastes like we did last time, some of the other top-notch books that we've done recently, and look at this and say, yeah, this is a top quality Bibble book. (laughs) Bibble book. It's beautiful, and it, I like that it's in there. But. But, individually, can I, can I give it a great rating? I don't think I can. I was going to give it two question marks out of two question marks. <laughs> That's a coward's, ra- coward's I, rating and you know it. I don't know. I really don't know what to make of it. I. It's like, on the one hand, I'm really interested in, like, not just an expression of sexuality, but mm-hmm. an expression of female sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, and one that appears to be, like, about the joys of premarital sex. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I just don't, I don't know how to fit this in with anything. And it's just confusing to me. It's just confusing. I don't know if this is supposed to be like portrayed as a good relationship or a bad one. I don't know if it's. Even if we think about it allegorically as a relationship to God, what does it mean? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It was the fun reading about. Undeveloped breasts, I guess, but uh, keeping orchards and <laughs> but channels full of pomegranates and shit. I'm just very confused by it. I think we ended up in, in nearly the same place. Yep. I just, I just had the courage of my convictions. That's true. <laughs> Look, I'm an ambivalent person. I like to play it safe. I'm not a risk taker. I'm a Libra. Okay, gotta see both sides. Okay, shut up. <laughs> Because it's time for an important segment. <gasps> What's that? It's called Listener Mail. <gasps> okay. Do you want to start us off? Yes, please. So we get mail on occasion. And when people bring up interesting things, we like to read them on air. I don't feel like I have to totally reset the idea of like listener mail, but I'm doing it nonetheless. So the concept of listener mail is like <laughs> if listeners send us an email, then we consider that listener mail mm-hmm. and then we might read it starts on the inevitable the and unstoppable chain of events that leads us to this very moment indeed where i tell you about an email i got from a man we got <clears throat> where we got <clears throat> from a fellow named eric apologies if that pronunciation is not correct might be eric 
Might be Eric. Dear Sunday School Dropouts, did you know that there was a video game released some years ago called El Shaddai Ascension of Metatron that was based on the Book of Enoch? It is an action game where you play as Enoch and beat up a variety of monsters I assume are the fallen angels and their offspring, and Enoch has a friend in Lucifer who has a cell phone that he uses to talk to God. The best part of this, however, is that the game was promoted with a brand synergy marketing campaign with Edwin, a Japanese jeans company. Edwin is apparently a Japanese jeans company. Who knew? In the game, both Enoch and Lucifer wear Edwin jeans, the 503 Zero Double Knee Shoe Cut and the 503 Zero Painter Skinny, respectively, <laughs> that could be pre-ordered alongside the game at release. Please note that the official Xbox magazine supplies the wonderful blurb, it's as if Lady Gaga made a video game. First of all, I would extremely play the Lady Gaga video game. Secondly, I did know about this game. It's over on my shelf right over there. He's looking at it. He's pointing at it. <laughs> you can't see it, but it's there. <laughs> I played it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, it was my fault for not mentioning it during the Book of Enoch. Um, I'm ashamed of you. You should be. We're breaking up. Well, that's <laughs> different. <laughs> Sorry, baby, that I came to this. Surely there's room for a little bit of shame in our relationship. <laughs> Nope, but none. What I want to say is thank you for making sure that we brought this up because it is an extraordinary cultural artifact. What is the deal with the jeans? Did you notice the jeans when you were playing this game? I honestly did not notice How the jeans. How could you not notice the extremely stylish jeans? So the main, char- the main character, I guess, is wearing white jeans in my mind. I haven't confirmed it. I remember Lucifer dresses like, like every like, stylish character in a Japanese video game. I would say, so here's my review of that game. It was... Uh, kind of fun. It looked great. Uh, it was pretty confusing, and the mechanics were not like super tight. But it was weird as hell, which I approve of. And thank you very much, Irek or Eric, for bringing that back to our attention and making sure that we alerted the world about biblical video games. Also, remember another listener mail that we had from Tammy that mentioned El Shaddai. That's true. That's true. So she was talking. Her brother's tattoo was El Shaddai. Yeah. So shout out to Tammy again. Shout out. Our- original listener mail we're loyal to tammy till we die um we also had another email uh from chris collision who's the co-host of the podcast i don't even own a television we had his co-host jw friedman on the show um for our deuteronomy episode and um he sent us he sent us an email uh, that said uh I didn't reach out to you early enough to get this into the right episode, but I spent a lot of time listening to punk as a kid, and this record helped me memorize exactly one Bible passage as that kid, which came in handy when people wanted to argue with me about religion. (laughs) And then he uh, linked us to uh, a track by the band Saccharine Trust. The track is called 2 Samuel Chapter 4, and it is a recitation of 2 Samuel Chapter (laughs) 4 over music. Um, And he said, anyway, I thought you might get a kick out of this. Keep up the red work. So I got to say, like, one of the things that I've been enjoying the most about doing this podcast is that I can now argue with people about what the Bible says. And I actually know what I'm talking about. I hope our podcast helps everyone do the same. And I encourage you all to listen to Saccharine Trust and their biblical songs to assist you in that noble goal. That being said, I think it's about time we wound down this episode. I believe it is. The carnival is packing up. It's about to leave town. It's the final ball game of the season. People are packing up their lockers, ready to home. This, town. Uh, 
this metaphor is getting a little off track. The garment factory is about to burn down. Hmm. Seems bad. Apollo 13 is about to leave the moon. Oh, boy. And fly on back to Earth. Okay. Successful landing. Okay. Coming in hot. All right. We'll be home. Time for Christmas. <laughs> Sunday School Dropouts is the podcast that you're listening to. Sunday School Dropouts. Our Twitter handle is at SunSchoolDrop. Hanging around the corner store. You can also find us on Facebook by looking for Sunday School Dropouts. Sunday School Dropouts. Our website is SundaySchoolDropouts.lol. I don't know what the next line in this song is. If you want to contribute to the grand, beautiful tradition of listener mail. At least you could have taken time. You can send us email at, to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. and clean your clothes up. Big thank you to Elise Carlton for our art something, and logo. Something, something, something. Uh, I do all of our Doctor sound and music. Fixed your nose up. Big thank you to Lauren. She's on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. And Baby, don't do it. Oh, that wasn't real. That was just from the lyrics. Don't worry. <laughs> you can keep going. And that's all the things that I have to say. Oh, uh, rate us on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Rate us and reviews on iTunes. It's a great way to help other people find the show. Give us, you know, five out of five uh, raisins and apples or whatever. <laughs> we offer a quality product, but we're always trying to improve. We love our audience deeply, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Me too. This has been Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico. I'm Lauren. And we'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.